Kiefer's a guy who's doing his part to talk about why he thinks that games are art and gush over things that are near to our hearts. So let's select a game and press start. Hello and welcome to Select and Start, the podcast about meaningful and memorable video games. I'm your host, Kiefer, and we have a very special guest today. She is a Twitch streamer and someone I'm happy to consider a friend. I have Suze on the show. Suze, how are you? I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, for listeners listening to this after the fact, this episode is actually being recorded under unique circumstances. You are actually streaming this right now, Suze, on your Twitch channel. And I'm praying to God everything stays stable because I have a lot of ground I'm wanting to I want to cover today. Yeah. But before we talk about video games and all the stuff that we have planned, I want to talk about you. For those who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, please enlighten them a little bit and tell them what you do and what you like. It's my favorite subject. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Um, I have been streaming for a little over a year now, a year and a half, I would say. Um, I mostly play FPS games, but when I'm not, I'm playing roguelike games and they're my absolute favorite. I uh, mostly have been playing Hades and Cult of the Lamb. I think they are the cutest, most charming games I've ever played. And um, yeah, that's that's really all I'm interested in. We don't really do just chatting anymore, but uh yeah we like to game over here real gamers <laughs> real gamers awesome yeah. and no group likes to gatekeep more than gamers uh what is your relationship like with video games in general who or what got you into it talk about your history with it a little bit yeah i mean i've been you know i grew up at a at a really great time because the, it was at the point where everyone really had a desktop in their house to play video games on and I was always playing, I don't know if you remember, it was like Big Fish Games or something like that. It was just the software that came with the gateway computers and you had to pay a million dollars, what felt like, just to play any of the games more than like 20 minutes. Right. Um, so obviously, you know, since my brain started developing, that's all I was doing. I was just clicking away on my little computer. <laughs> um, and then uh, when I was, I want to say like seven or six or seven or something. I got my first Game Boy. Ever since then, I've been ruining my eyesight playing video games. <laughs> I got really big into FPS when I was um, a shithead teenager. Am I allowed to curse? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a shithead teenager, I was playing Call of Duty all the time. And um, yeah, I've definitely mellowed out since then. And I've actually unfortunately made my way back to FPS since I started streaming. <laughs> you play a lot of Valorant, right? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you enjoy uh, the games that you play? Depends. Most of the time, no. <laughs> I'm not in the business of enjoying myself on stream, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> I have some questions about that in a minute, but I want to like, rewind a little bit back to the Game Boy stuff. What kind of games did you play on Game Boy? Anything I could get my hands on. This was you know, coming into the recession, so... Anything at GameStop that was like less than $5 was a go. My first ever game was, uh, I think, a Bratz game because uh, I was six or seven, uh, seven or eight. I don't even remember. I was like seven years old. Um, so obviously, perfect. <laughs> and then after that, I stole uh, one of the older, because I had a Game Boy Advance, right? Game Boy right. Advance Color, the small flip phone ones. Yeah, the, the, the SP, yeah. Yeah, that one. And my cousin had this. Like, I think he had, it, it was like Pokemon Yellow or something. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the bigger cartridge for the older Game Boys. And I stole it. <laughs> and I didn't tell him. I just took it from his room when I was visiting <laughs> him in Ohio. And I stole it. And I played it all the time. Nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, all the other like bolt games, like Pac-Man, all that, all that shit. Um, yeah. 
those were those were the OGs for me. No, yeah, I had a ton of Game Boy Advance games just because I was a used game kid. Mm-hmm. You'd go to GameStop and like you said, you could get like at the counter, like underneath a glass case, you could just like get a bunch of Game Boy Advance games for practically nothing. So if you had a grandma that gave you 20 bucks uh, on a birthday <laughs> yeah. or on Christmas, it's like that's four Game Boy Advance games. And yeah, yeah and as a kid, bootleg Mario game you can get your hands on. That's it. Absolutely. No, I mean, you don't have a lot of discerning taste when you're an eight year old who's allowed to make their own financial decisions uh, insofar as I'm at GameStop and I have $25 and yeah. <laughs> a retail game costs $50. So going over to the Game Boy Advance section, wow, I can buy how many Yu-Gi-Oh games for $5? <laughs> and- Let me get my hands on this. Uh, oh, that was the DS. When we moved up, t- when we upgraded to the DS. We got um, a Club Penguin. They, for some reason, had some weird DS offshoot for Club Penguin. And me and my brother were on that shit daily. We were always playing, you know, like the Mario Party stuff that came on the DS because we would like connect it to each other. But Oh, yeah. I remember PictoChack being a lot of fun, even though there was no function for it. Because like, yeah. the, the, the thing would only go so far as like the other room. Yeah. So. <laughs> you just like black out the entire screen and that's your mental stimulation for at least 20 minutes absolutely though you would just like scribble and yeah. <laughs> like an, on like long car rides you would just like sit there and it's like i could play a video game where i could try and fill in the entire square exactly yeah and as many strokes as possible i'm gonna do every single thing yeah absolutely pivotal memories of course Mm. <laughs> they should make a movie set in like a, like a period piece of the like the mid to late 2000s and somebody has to like convey crucial information over picto chat that's that's what that's what someone should do in a, that's in how a movie. you oh no 9-11 was it was way too far back that was before the ds right that no, was no, game yeah. boy no yeah <laughs> uh, game boy advance in america came out like 2001 early 2002 i'm just saying like somebody was like making a movie and there was like a scene where like two people are in the backseat of a car doing like a <laughs> Are you seeing this shit? Like they take out <laughs> a, a picto chat for some fucking reason to do it that way. Oh my god! Imagine that in like a yakuza movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> you have like this succession scene, and everybody's like getting out their <laughs> picto chats. <laughs> oh my god! We did a vote oh of no confidence over picto chat. I don't even think Nintendo would use picto chat like that, much less a four one like a four one k company. God, it's, Fortune five hundred. It's probably more encrypted than any kind of like Twitter message or anything like that. Probably safer. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that'd be the best way to just delete information. If yeah, if Hillary Clinton had just done picked a chat, the twenty sixteen election would have gone down different. I'm saying that oh on the show, making God. a declarative statement. This is politics now. That's what we're doing. Of see, anything I do, it's always going to come back to politics. I yeah, try to no. avoid it on Twitch, especially, but. Get Hassan on the stream. I want. I want to say something. There's nobody that knows less about video games than Hassan. I don't know if we would have anything to talk. <laughs> I watch my friend's stream. I've watched your stream a lot, but I don't know a ton of streaming personalities like that beyond like the Zeitgeist. Like I've I've heard names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Ronnie Radke's a streamer. They should do something about that. Yeah. Oh no. That's, yeah. Horrible, right? But I guess yeah. that's. I would not. That's the last Discord I'd ever want to be in. But. I want to ask you some questions, Suze. You're a Twitch streamer. Uh, even if it may not seem like it to a viewer, streaming is a lot of work and mixing work with le- leisure and pleasure. That can often impact your relationship with both things. You play a lot of video games on stream. How has streaming impacted your relationship with video games? Does it help you to play video games more often than you regularly would? Or has it turned gaming into an activity you mostly do while streaming? Talk about it. I was really concerned about this, actually, for a long time because I was gaming far prior to 
any kind of like content like the the whole term of content creation was it like makes me flinch every time I have to say it because that was never my intent like I just was playing video games with my friends we were playing Valorant every single day and they were streaming it to a few people and I was like getting peer pressured into it because they were like if we're doing it you could make a couple bucks doing it and I was like ah, do I want to make myself an accessible person while doing something that I like, like, I don't want to make it my job and blah, blah, blah. And eventually just came to the point where if I don't want to play on stream, I don't have to. Like, I'm very lucky in that most of the time gaming brings down my viewership. So I only do it for myself now. Because, <laughs> um, you know, the nature of being a girl on Twitch is that people expect you to be really engaging and they want you to do just chatting so that they can have your full attention. And then that brings you more money. And so I've gotten to a place where I have a full-time job outside of Twitch and I used video games before to unwind from work. And now it's like, I am just going to play video games anyway, so I might as well turn on the camera. You know what I mean? So um, yesterday we did a really like chill roguelike stream and um, I barely engage with chat and I, like, I'm very lucky again. It's a year and a half in, so I feel like my community is pretty comfortable with each other and well-established. And I don't have to pay attention to them 24-7. And chat doesn't constantly have to be moving for a stream to keep going. You know what I mean? Everybody right. can kind of sit with themselves and each other. And, and yeah, too comfortable sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hope that this isn't like a record low stream for you because you're not only not engaging with chat too, too much. But, yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's fine. But, no, I'm, I'm glad rocks. that you have a healthy relationship <laughs> with the actual aspect of gaming on Twitch because I've yeah. heard from people who do you know, mix the stuff that they like doing and then turn it into, like you said, like content creation, quote unquote, it can discombobulate them and they can sort of fall out of love with something that became a hobby. So I'm glad that you have a healthier relationship with it where it's just like, I'm doing it already. May as well, you know, show other people how I'm playing. Yeah. I'm afraid of pulling the trigger and doing that because yeah. if people see how I game, they're going to yell at me a lot that's, if they do watch. See, that's the thing is it's backwards. I yell a lot while I play. And I was doing it whether or not I was recording. And people, unfortunately, really like the agony that I put myself in when I play oh. games. <laughs> like, it's it's just part of the brand, I think, um, at this point, to be unhappy with the games I play. <laughs> but, I, like, I enjoy it. That's, un like, that's part of the enjoyment for me is, you know, the escapism of directing all of my aggression towards a game and frustration out on a game is kind of healthier for me when I wasn't playing as many games I feel like the hobbies that I had were just for other people. And now I can really say like video games are just for me. Even when I'm playing with my friends, even when I'm playing with other people, if I don't want to do it, I just turn it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> the only thing that I feel like streaming has taken away from me in terms of video games as a hobby is Skyrim. I can't okay. run it at the same time as Streamlabs. For some reason, my computer is just not powerful enough. So I don't play Skyrim anymore. I'm sorry. Huge L. <laughs> that, that takes me to the next question that I had for you. And I appreciate you giving your insight into this because I genuinely find it fascinating. How do you go about deciding what games to stream and what do you find are your favorites to, to stream for others? Oh, um, so I really started streaming Valorant as a hobby. So I always find my way back to it. If I feel like I'm not really in the mood to use my brain and fill up dead space, you know, just so that we can keep things going and I don't just have to look at chat waiting for a message to show up. Um, I'll turn on Valorant and I'll just play. Sometimes I'll engage with chat. Sometimes I'll just be in a little shitty mood and take it out on my game while everyone's watching. Very healthy. Right. 
some games are gifted, some games are suggested, and some games are just like crowd favorites. Valorant is just the only one. It's like half and half. I have a lot of viewers who are like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on during this game. I have been watching you play it for months uh, and I still don't understand, but here I am. And then I have games like Stardew Valley and I get to share this game that makes me squeal (laughs) with a bunch of people who may or may not want to play it one day. I just get to, you know. Um, And then there's games that get gifted to me like uh, Trombone Champ. Mm. which I did not know about. And I played it one time (laughs) and I hated it. (laughs) And I still played it for like an hour. (laughs) Yeah. That, 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 that that polite. Thank you. Uh, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't fucking do this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what the steam reviews are like for that one, but I'm sorry. But also that I'm sure it was entertaining. I'm sure it was entertaining. Definitely check it out. I think it'd be right up your alley. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if somebody who wants to come on the show wants to talk about trombone chat, because my show informs my gaming habits. Absolutely. I, um, I try and do a one for them, one for me in my personal life. Oh, with gaming. Like uh, I just finished playing resident evil village. I doubt somebody's going to pick resident evil village <laughs> as their most meaningful and memorable game because it just came out last year. Yeah. I say that, but this show, this game that we we're talking about came out two years ago. So who knows, but game of the year. I, I try and do that. I want to play games for me. But the reason I made this show was to play more games at the end of the day, like go, yeah. go through my backlog. I'm going to, play a bunch of stuff coming up this year unfortunately a lot of rpgs that take up a ton of time so yeah have to you know play final fantasy tactics final fantasy 8 those are 40 hours a piece but then there's some smaller games like metroid prime that i'm really excited to actually finally get to and it's exciting but at the same time it does feel like oh my god there's so many video games and <laughs> yeah. like people talk about the backlog as like the, the the insurmountable like amount of stuff the media that you have to deal with and now i have two where it's like my my part-time job backlog and then my my actual like rolodex of games that i've accumulated over eight or so years of you know having a steam account and just buying games because i i intend to play that sometime yeah but yeah so why can't you consolidate that into one list then what do you think I kind of do. I mean, those uh, there hasn't been a single game suggested to me yet that's like completely out of left field. Like, oh, oh my god, I've never heard of that. Or alternatively, like, I don't know. But like, it, it's just like a mental thing of like, this is work, and I I still enjoy the work when I'm playing a game. Yeah. But there there's just like that other list of like, this is going to go on the back burner because nobody suggested it for the show yet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. That's yeah. So speaking of playing games, what have you been playing lately on stream or off stream? And are there any games in particular that you're looking forward to? Oh, aren't there? Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Somebody actually, Cult of the Lamb, I haven't played it in a while, but somebody from stream suggested it upon the release. And I was so overwhelmed with how charming it was that I, it's all I could think about and play for a couple weeks there, I think. Even off stream, I would get off stream after playing it for four hours and I would keep playing it because it was just the cutest darn game. And you kind of hit a wall with it. Like the plot kind of progresses, but it gets to a point where you can only go so far. You know, it's not like those roguelike games where like each run progresses the plot. There's like Mm -hmm. definitive walls, I think, that you have to meet unless I'm missing something. But um, it's kind of hard to go back to something like that. And then in complete contrast to that, I started playing... Warzone recently, which I had been so resistant towards for so long, because every time I've played a game like that, that's just like really fast paced. It's just so different than the usual FPS games that I've been playing for so long that I feel so overstimulated and I feel like just totally out of my element. But I started playing it and I 
that's all I want to do. And I feel like it's bad content on that's okay. So the, the thing is what I feel like is bad content on Twitch are games that I really like where I have to dial in and I feel like I go slack jawed. I feel like I just have a dumb expression on my face and all I want to do is look at the screen, which is really fun for me because after a long day of work, that's what I want to do. But for stream, you know, it's not the cutest look. It's not, you know, the fun vibe. It's not going to bring in any viewers for me to be like, uh. <laughs> How am I supposed to nurse this parasocial relationship if you're acting like a normal human, Suze? Come on. Exactly. How how are you supposed to love me inappropriately if I'm not giggling at every message I get, you know? You're not conforming to my, you know, idealized version of you. What are you doing? I know. It's very unfortunate and unbecoming of me, truly. Yeah. How dare you, honestly? I know. I should just retire. I should never stream again, to be honest. All right. That's going to be the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, I I went back to Hades yesterday for the first time in a long mm-hmm. time. Well, not a long time, like a couple months, you know, upon the release of the trailer of the second one. Hell yeah. It, it's so, so fun because you have people who love the game, who get to come watch it, who are just looking for other people who are streaming the game. And then you have a bunch of people who are just looking around for a stream that I came up and they recommended or they already follow me and they get to be exposed to this game that I find so endearing and like so close to my heart and no one can tell me shit about it. Like I'm going to play it regardless. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like those are the best streams is when I'm actually having fun and enjoying myself. And I feel like I feel like it's the best stream because I'm having a freaking blast. But um, <laughs> uh, I feel like less worried about what's happening in chat. And I feel less worried about how my chat is feeling about my content because I couldn't be fucking bothered if they don't want to watch it. There's tons of other interesting stuff happening on Twitch, and I'm comfortable with that, you know? I just like right, yeah. hello games. You make this space for you. If you if mm-hmm. you try and make it too much for too many other people, it, it becomes overwhelming. The second you stop enjoying something that is an option for you, like, yeah, that's that, what that it becomes is. its own thing. Yeah, that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's like, it's an option. Why am I putting myself through games I don't like just so that other people will watch, you know, like I'm not one to follow the meta. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, Fortnite's trending right now. I got to hop on Fortnite. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, there was there have been times where I've started games that are on trend and I've immediately closed and been like, that's not for me. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I know you want to watch me play the quarry, but I'm having an awful time. This sucks. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm not doing this terrible game. You mentioned Warzone and Val, which I imagine are kind of games that are a lot more in the uh, the meta of Twitch uh, engagement. Yeah. Uh, are there games like that that you do enjoy and engage with that do help you on that level? Um, there is a game that is not a game called Marbles on stream where okay. chat just they put their ball in and it's a completely randomized thing. And people love it because they get to be involved with it. And it brings in so much foot traffic. It does not make sense to me. How many people are looking for this game that they can play in different chats all around? So I get a lot of new followers from that. And I have followers who only come in for that. And it's because, you know, they like the engagement part of it. You know what I mean? Instead of just watching me play. So if I'm eating something and I can't really like be, there's a lot, if there's a lot of dead space in between me taking bites, I'll put on marbles. It's like, it's like putting on cocoa melon for a kid. You know what I mean? Like they they love it. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm just pressing my little button to make the thing start. But yeah. 
Um, no, I, I, I've never heard of that. I appreciate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not really a game. I don't do anything. I just turn it on for them on Steam and I just let them go. But yeah. Yeah. Towards the end of this episode, we're going to have like a recommended section. And I do have a game that actually has Twitch integration that I'm going to mention later. So keep mm-hmm. a mental note of that. So before we move on and talk about the main events, the game that means a lot to us, I do want to sort of ask you, are there any other games like besides the games that you played on Twitch or plan to play on Twitch? Games that just mean a lot to you before we move forward? Hmm. I don't know about mean a lot to me, but one that just has my heart forever is uh, Breath of the Wild, the Legend of Zelda game that came out a few years ago. Yeah. It, it came into my life at a really weird time with a lot of stuff kind of being really turbulent in my life and a lot of big changes happening. Like I not only did the pandemic just start it was it was a few months before that but I was coming out of a long-term my first long-term relationship I was working at a really intense stressful job it was like my first big girl job and that was my escape for a long time was just breath of the wild and not only that but like it was so just it was such like a magical escape like I felt like how people probably feel at Disneyland when I was playing that (laughs) I can't relate to that I don't (laughs) I have a lot of mixed feelings about Disneyland but I don't know. It makes me feel like a kid whenever I play that game. I love it so much. No, that's wild because I had a similar experience with it where I I acquired that game for myself. Like I played it at friends' houses for a long time. But when I got it for myself, it was a game that came to me when I was working my first you know, post-college job, uh, working at a dead end insurance company call center, working nine to 10 hour shifts. And I just come home and do the whole like zone out like in front of the screen for two hours. And it was... It was a genuine escape. You just felt like I was I felt like I was making more life progress playing that game where something material happens versus where you're just like at a job where just like it's phone call after phone call after phone call. Yeah. I don't know. It it, it felt like a life saving game. I played a lot of that in Puyo Puyo Tetris, which was. (laughs) I love Tetris. Yeah, it's it's, it was light and overwhelming dark and games have the power to do that and you mentioned stardew valley stardew valley was a game that got me through my senior year of college which yeah yeah, super super important to me because of that yeah yeah games have the power to change the world or at least your personal life for a few years (laughs) yeah just the mechanics and i don't know that open world aspect of it was just incredibly refreshing and lovely and lovely (laughs) a game with a sequel coming out next year so look forward to that in hades too (laughs) <laughs> now that we've gotten to know you a bit uh, we should start talking about the game that you picked uh, it's an incredible game that means a lot to me and to you it looks amazing it sounds amazing and it's infinitely replayable it's hades yes Hades was developed and published by Supergiant Games, an independent game developer and publisher known for games like Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. Hades was the fourth game developed by the studio, and it was developed by a core team of just 20 people. The game was written by Craig Kasavin, who was also the creative director and one of the designers on the game. The gorgeous art of the game was done by Gen Z. That's an individual's name, not referring to just a youth generation. 
Music of the game composed by Darren Korb, who is also the voice of the game's player character Zagreus, and also the voice of Skelly, and provides the singing voice for Orpheus. So, wearing a lot of hats. Like I said, small development team. And as for the gameplay, you talked about it earlier, Hades is a roguelike game, a genre with games like Mystery Dungeons, Spelunky, FTL, The Binding of Isaac, one of my personal favorites is Risk of Rain, uh, and so on. Binding of Isaac in particular probably most closely resembles the gameplay loop here. In this game, though, you play as Zagreus, Prince of the Underworld and Son of Hades, as he attempts to escape to the surface, fighting through a series of levels with randomly generated rooms full of enemies to fight through. The game is presented in an isometric view, and combat resembles a fast-paced hack-and-slash game as you collect various power-ups provided by Greek gods helping you escape from the underworld. Dying brings you back to the start, but unlike traditional roguelikes where death is permanent and you have to start from zero, uh, you can accumulate more resources to help you get further along in the game. More weapons, more upgrades, so on and so forth. So the game has some light RPG elements. Hades was officially released on PC, Mac, and Switch on September 17th, 2020. Other games released in 2020 include Animal Crossing New Horizons, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, Microsoft Flight Simulator, The Last of Us Part Two, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Kentucky Route Zero, TV Edition, and Valorant. So 2020 was no shortage of great games, despite how awful that year was otherwise. But I have to ask you, Suze, number one, like, obviously you played a lot of these Twitch games besides the ones that we've mentioned already. Do, do any others stand out to you? Oh, my gosh. Of the 2020 drop? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, honestly, going through the list, just off of what I remember, Animal Crossing was really, really fun for about two weeks for me. And mm-hmm. then everything that I wanted from it was like done. And I found it in Stardew. <laughs> right. And then kind of just moving along the list. God, it was such a big year. Right. Yeah. Obviously, Valorant was a big one for me, but I didn't really come into that until I want to say 2021 because I was only gaming on my Switch for almost the entire year of 2020 before I pulled the trigger and got myself a PC. And I didn't want to play any FPS games on my Switch because I felt like a goofball doing that. So that's pretty much the reason I I actually built a PC in the first place. <laughs> um, yeah, all of like, you know, Warzone, Valorant, all that stuff. The first time I really dipped my toes into that was 2021. I kind of missed uh, the mark on it. But that entire year, I basically only played Breath of the Wild, Skyrim, uh, <laughs> um, Animal Crossing sometimes. I'm not a fan. Um, and Hades, honestly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are veteran fans of the Animal Crossing series in general were a little cold on, uh, New Horizons because the content wasn't fully released, you know, day and date like it usually is. Yeah. I was a big fan of New Leaf when that came out on 3DS and that had a lot more content. It felt like starting out versus New Horizons, which, you know, was gorgeous, beautiful game. I got a lot of mileage out of it. I probably was playing that for at least three, three and a half months before I stopped playing it every day just because, (laughs) you know, I was like at least putting in half an hour just to do my little daily tasks and get my, you know, morning serotonin. I was unmedicated at the time. I didn't have that at all. (laughs) I had Animal Crossing. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It was a game that was, it felt like it was lacking a little bit, but fortunately has gotten better as time has gone on. 2020, you know, everybody was inside. So that was the first year in forever where I actually kept up with newer releases like Final Fantasy VII Remake and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I tried Fall Guys, not really my thing, but I understand the appeal. COD Warzone, I'm just like, I burnt out on Apex Legends. And as much as I enjoy Apex, like, I like that game a lot. I can't do Warzone. Like, Warzone doesn't have the 
it, it because it's, it's like a life commitment, you know. I don't want to give yeah. Call of Duty the win for some reason. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't want to admit that those games can be good. Yeah, that's fair. God, I'm really outing myself as some pretentious asshole now. You don't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's the same thing with like Valorant versus CS:GO. It's just CS:GO and COD are like staples. They're classic. You know what I mean? But Apex yeah. and Val really have just this charm to them, especially with mm-hmm. the agents and like the lore and everything like that. There's something I just find myself more attached to this. The lore of Valorant. I love it. I don't know what it is. I just every time I hear the voice, new voice lines that come out, new patches and they come out and you like learn about their relationships and stuff. I would rather listen to that than like, let's get them soldier. Let's get these terrorists. Like, I don't give I, I don't give a shit about that. You know what I mean? Like, especially when you have to if a game has to regionally have different like context, like if the game is playable one way in North America and playable a different way in Europe, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want I don't want like real politics. I, I do that off of the game, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm good on that. Yeah, I remember replaying. Uh, I think it was I mean, I think all the COD games do it in some level. But like, I remember playing the campaign for the first Modern Warfare a couple years ago during the pandemic, actually. Mm-hmm. And like every time you die and get the loading screen, it's like a, a quote from a random politician. And it's like this one's Winston Churchill. This one is Vladimir Lenin. And it's like, oh, you're just sort of like gesturing at all sides without like committing to an overall one so yeah you know i'm playing both sides so i always come out on top kind of vibes yeah. in the game development <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know i was playing um this is on me honestly i was playing uh cold war because i like the zombies on that game and that was the one that i got when i got my pc set up playing the like any other game mode is just covered in one side is communists and soviets and the other side is like yeehaw yes sir like i just can't be i can't be bothered with it like i'm if there's anything pseudo intellectual it's politics and call of duty that that yeah (laughs) that like oh the terrorist groups aren't named after any exact thing or ideology like at some point you just have to like just say it even even top gun is like they don't like (laughs) they never mention the enemy in top gun they're just the enemy like you may as well you may as well lean into that don't call the terrorists anything just call them the terrorists giving them aggressively (laughs) russian names thick ass accents oh my god yeah give them the most like vague thing possible (laughs) lean into the vagueness don't even like give it a foreign sounding name just bob the bomber (laughs) yeah they have to have like nato in call of duty it's like whatever Mm -hmm. it's so dumb it's so dumb yeah i'd rather you know fake goofy like interdimensional wars that's more fun to me i like it yeah i'd rather fight for that (laughs) give me lore um previous guest of the show trevor strunk uh he has uh, a book of essays out on video games and their relationship with the real world and one of those chapters is on call of duty and how they have sort of served as uh like propaganda and then propaganda, but yeah. like not in the sense of like like official propaganda, but like yeah. oh, they're sort of doing our job for us by making uh, war games fun in a way that previous efforts at divi- like the federal government uh, develop developing video games hasn't worked. So yeah, very interesting uh, chapter if you can find that Trevor Strunk once again. Point being, twenty twenty was a great year for video games, right? <laughs> yeah. You didn't pick these games. You picked Hades to talk about. So what ultimately made you settle on Hades as like the game representing video games that mean a lot to you? I honestly cannot say this word enough when I talk about roguelike games that I find so special is they are so endearing. They're just so charming. 
especially when you're interested in the the combat aspect of it that's that's one thing and that's a mechanic that you know you get used to after playing video games since you're a kid you know what i mean like falling into that isn't really a problem once you understand how to get your combos and blah, blah, blah. but the the combination oh my voice cracked the combination of figuring out not only which weapon what fighting style you like what all this stuff that's one thing that makes the game so fun to me but like i get to flirt with death incarnate (laughs) and one of the furies at the same time come on Mm -hmm. come on consequence free (laughs) consequence that's really just what it is at the end of the day it's such a it's such a consequence free game that like even when you fail in the game there's something to be gained from that experience and i feel like it's so low pressure for me for that reason that the most heightened my heart rate gets is if I'm in a boss level and like, you know, I have 10 HP, you know, and that's mm-hmm. once you get past a certain point, that's not really going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like you get at a really core point of what that game is trying to convey to the player is how not to be afraid of failure. Like the, exactly. the, the whole gameplay loop of the game is like failure is built in. You are going to lose. You are going to die over and over again, but you're going to get better. Yeah. And building those interactions like that where you can't really fuck up a relationship, you can only improve it over time. Yeah. That that really interactivity and the story just holding hands in an awesome way and conveying yeah. a point. So yeah, wonderful point. It doesn't even, and it doesn't take away from the game being challenging. You know what I mean? Because you can make yeah. it as you can make it as challenging or as easygoing as you'd like at the end of the day, especially yeah. when you get past the first few attempts and then, you know, you get to the point where you can put the punishment packs on yeah, and you can put your different aspects on your different weapons and all this stuff. You can make it truly as difficult as you want it to be. If you really want to hinder yourself and you really want to challenge yourself, have at it. I don't want to do that. I like, I like when the plot moves. I like getting the bad guys. <laughs> No, I I like to turn the heat on a little bit just because I like to make those yeah. uh, upgrade progresses. Like I actually want to get a reward after beating Lurney for the 80th time. Yeah, but, <laughs> of course. So I, I will turn. I'll absolutely turn those on for that. You can f- still feel yourself getting better and better incrementally as is the point of the game. But on the opposite end of that, you can also turn on God mode and the uh, accessibility options where you can uh, level up your character and get more permanent health upgrades every time you die. So mm-hmm. they really not only give something for more hardcore players that want to make the difficulty harder, but they also give it to people who are less uh, well-versed in the language of video games to give them something every single time that they fail a run so they can at least progress. They feel like they're progressing, you know, even if it doesn't feel like that immediately, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, yeah, you make a great point. Uh, We'll talk more about the game in just a second on a more specific level. I did want to sort of talk about game preservation for a second is that's a core part of the show and we do that in a segment we call no country for old games Game preservation is a subject that means a great deal to me. I believe that if you want to treat video games as an art form, which it most certainly is, uh, we need to make conscious, active efforts towards preserving those games and making them readily available to play so they don't get lost to time. Ordinarily on the show, we have a segment where we rate games, uh, the availability on a scale of A to R and 
R represents my frustration at how hard it is to access older titles, and is no way me advocating for piracy. That 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 that's illegal. Yada 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 yada. Um, before we get into talking about how accessible this game is for most people who can play video games, I want to ask you, Suze, what platform do you play this game on? Uh, Switch and PC. Awesome. So you have two copies of the game? I do. <laughs> awesome. No, I'm, there's there's a lot of games where I actually own them on multiple platforms, either because I got them as a gift on one or a better platform came out that I'm more comfortable with. And look, if there's a game that's worth buying twice, it's Hades. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> No, this is actually the most recently released game we've discussed in the show. Before that, it was an episode that I did on Breath of the Wild a few episodes ago, which was released in 2017. Both incredible games. Uh, this game was initially released as an early access title on the Epic Game Store uh, when it first launched in December of 2018. And it was later added to Steam a year later for early access on December of 2019, and then officially released in September of 2020 on the Nintendo Switch, in addition to the Mac and the PC. It has been ported to the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, as well as the Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S uh, as of August of 2021. So this is a game that has actually only become more readily available since its release, which, if you've ever listened to this show, is an extreme rarity. What the hell? The game's actually becoming more and more available instead of harder and harder to access. It's about as reasonably accessible as a modern game can be at the moment. Uh, if you haven't played this game, please check it out if you can afford it, because... Look, it's one of the best games ever made, and it's only $20 most. Like, you'll never find the game retailing long higher than $20 at a time, and oftentimes it's on sale. It's like 12 bucks right now, so you have no excuse. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's 12 bucks as of the time of this recording. If, if you haven't played this game yet and you haven't paid for it in some way, do it now. Supergiant are those guys. They know how to make you feel the value of your dollar. A lot of bang for your buck. I checked my hours while I was doing the writing for this episode. 90 hours on my Switch version. I love this game. It's probably my most played game on the Switch besides Animal Crossing. Well, I got a, I got a lot of more hours on that game. What do you have? Do you know? <laughs> on my Switch, I have well over, you know, I think 150 at least. Let me see. On, on Hades? Yeah. I've yeah. played the shit out of this game. I just play like 30 games a year, I think. So it's like it's I have to spread my time out. But when I bought yeah, that no, game in I November <laughs> or of 2020, like that was the only game I played for like a month and a half. Yeah. I, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was doing I was doing Animal Crossing numbers like it was it was crazy. Yeah, my Skyrim numbers are embarrassing on my Switch. Oh. Yeah, no. Uh, what was <laughs> another game that I put a lot of hours into? Witcher Three. I have like 120 some hours into Elden Ring. I have 125 hours. Like I play video games a long time if I can. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm fixated on like my heavy rotation is like Valorant, mm -hmm. uh, Hades, Stardew, and Minecraft. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Uh, Stardew, I have more than 200 hours across all platforms. That's a game I have on PC. That's a game I have on Switch. That, that's one of those multi-platform games I was talking about earlier. I own that game on a lot of systems. Yeah, just endlessly customizable. It's endlessly it. customizable, and like the content releases that have been coming out since that game initially came out, like <gasps> it just keeps me coming back. But yeah, no, that's something that I've been appreciating a lot more lately. I know I sound insane saying I put 120 some hours into multiple games, but the thing with Hades is like a lot of short bursts, like. You will do a run, and a run will never be more than 35 minutes most of the time. Like, if you fail, like, it's like, well, at least I didn't lose multiple hours. There are a lot of games that take forever before yeah. you reach a fail state or, you know, make progress. But this game, it's short bursts, and that whole, like, I can do another run, though, it keeps you going. So yeah. it's, it's it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's like, oh, this is perfect for short bursts, but it's also like, God, I could keep playing this forever, though. Yeah. I mean, I think 
something about the indie games that I've really latched onto is that I find that they're so much more intimately cared for and less buggy and honestly, for lack of a better word, they're less dog shit <laughs> <laughs> than a lot of the the games I play from bigger studios, you know, for any number of reasons. A lot of, you know, mostly because a lot of them are server based and, you know, the indie games are just prepackaged. You know what I mean? But yeah, if I see anything happen on Hades <clears throat> that is out of the norm, my assumption isn't that it's a glitch. I'm like, oh, I did something wrong. And typically that's the that's the point. But <laughs> if something's wrong in Val or one of these like huge, huge games, I'm like, they got to fix that. That's not a me problem. Get after yeah. it. <laughs> There's a constant like balancing yeah. <laughs> and uh, the meta that you always have to worry about. Not to mention like if you're using a lot of games as service or multiplayer games, there's hacking. There's just bad implementation <clears throat> of mechanics like Overwatch 2's rollout has been a huge disaster. Uh, and on, on top of everything else going on in Activision Blizzard, like I loved Overwatch when it first came out. Like yeah. I was playing that. I played that game for two years. That's another one of those like hundreds of hours games that I've I've been constantly talking about today. I just had I haven't even like looked at Overwatch 2 just because everybody has been so disappointed and the news coming out of it just doesn't make it seem good. I'm sorry if that hurts anybody's feelings, but it, it hurt. It breaks my heart. I'm not saying this from a place of like malice. It's just like yeah. I wish these games did better. But the thing with like Hades, which again was developed by a studio of 20 people, it's scope and scale and just a great realization of we don't need to promise the world. We don't need to throw gimmicks and great graphics at you. We can just have strong art design and have a game that runs perfectly well on the Switch. You know, the more you throw at something, the more that you have to like throw resources at. But Mm -hmm. if you just like have a focused mechanic that is you know, simple on the surface as a game like Hades is with a lot of depth underneath that. If you just go in with just a strong idea of what you're going in to do and don't make the game just long for the sake of being long, you will definitely come out with a better game than just like focusing too much on it. I had a more salient version of this in my head, but (laughs) you guys are getting at what I'm saying. Yeah. Going in with a philosophy versus just like, oh, we got to chase trends and put as much stuff into this game to make it different from possible. No, don't do that. Yeah. It's definitely a matter of like a lot of the bigger companies will overpromise and underdeliver. Whereas these smaller indie studios, you go in kind of with an open mind. You know, a lot of them are word of mouth that they get around like that. And Hades is just really special in the way that it doesn't matter what your expectations are. There's always layers to the game that are just pleasantly surprising and just even more endearing, you know? Like, yeah, whether it's the art style, whether it's the soundtrack, whether I've never like, I don't think I have a complaint about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. we'll, 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 we have a segment where I ask you about finding a complaints and I promise you it'll be difficult too. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing that's really great about this game that I was trying to get is it actually is a deep game despite all of that though, because there's so much, so much, so much unique dialogue that you can encounter. And I, I, I have played through this game for 90 hours and I don't think I've seen dialogue repeat itself a single time every time I've talked to a person in the lobby or any of my romance options. Like I've done all of the paths I think I can and I have not seen the same line of dialogue twice. Like that's insane to me. How do yeah. they do that? How do they get so many contingencies? And apparently I haven't even seen them all. If you go to fight Hades uh, without any boons uh, signed by the gods. There's unique dialogue for things like that. Odd. No stink of Olympus on you this time. Have you truly come all this way without assistance from your relatives? 
Or were you overzealous at a pool of purging? Wouldn't you like to know? Not even Nyx believed that I could come this far without aid from the Olympians. Maybe I just have a knack for proving everybody wrong. You have a knack for being struck down in various ignoble ways. That much is certain. Come then. Show me what you yourself can do. Like, I didn't find that out until I was doing research for this episode, but even yeah. little things like that, they've made contingencies for, and it's like, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing game, yeah. It's an amazing game. Uh, in terms of availability, I give it an A, just ending the No Country for Old Games segment there. Let's talk about why this game is an A-plus in every aspect of, you know, perfection it can possibly be. Hades was a massive critical success. It currently has a 93 on Metacritic. It won multiple Game of the Year awards, and it was the first video game ever to win a Hugo Award. But we're not here to discuss the impact this game made critically or commercially. We're here to discuss what this game means to someone who has played it. So, Suze, I have to ask you, what do you like about Hades that you wish more video games would do in general? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's really... The attention to detail is unparalleled. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's to the point where yesterday during one of the runs that I was doing on stream to prep was I got killed by a satyr at almost like one of the last rooms that I was in and it absolutely demolished me because of the setup I had. It was awful. And then I came back to that point in my next run and there was like a quirky one-liner. You know what I mean? That address that I won this time or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like the Cult of the Lamb effect for me because Cult of the Lamb, it's not as complete of a game. I would say I love that game dearly, but it's just not as com it's not as they're not talking. There's no voice lines. There's no nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's a very sweet, cute game, but there would be things that surprise me that made me squeal like out of just like ah! like <laughs> there's a button where you can make the lamb bleat and it goes like this. It goes ah! and when I found it. <laughs> I was in shock. I had to sit there for five minutes and just be like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. With Hades, I don't even I don't even have time to process things like that because it's just every other line. I get Aries will say something to me the wrong way and I'll start I'll get hot and bothered. You know what I mean? Like You've got quite the fighting spirit in you there, I have to say. If Thanatos has like uh now we're at Max Hearts or something like that, now he has a certain dialogue that he has for me. And he has not even the dialogue, just like the quirky one-liners that come like this, just naturally to fill in the space. Good to be working with you in a more official capacity, Zag. Shall we get started? Everything is, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing, how yeah. well-written a dialogue is, despite how much of it there is. Like, yeah. I think writing in video games can be so fucking hit or miss. There are games yeah. that I love that just have like the worst dialogue ever. All of the dialogue that I have observed in Hades has never given me the ick. <laughs> yeah. It is a genuinely sexy game. The same way that like the Castlevania <laughs> yeah. Netflix show is like too sexy in a good way. That's Hades to me too. Yeah, it is a bit sexy. Do you see that's yeah. what it's that's why I think it's such a good game is that it's so accessible to so many people and that, you know, we we talked about a little bit about the difficulty how you can kind of ramp it up or ease it down depending on 
how your play style usually is. But other than that, like even if you're not well versed in a dungeon crawler, you're still going to escape at least once, you know, some way, somehow you're going to escape. And even so, the plot's still going to go whether or not you even escape. Yeah. Like if you if you have God mode on, that's going to help you a bunch. Obviously, you have to purchase the upgrades that you get by using all of the collectibles that you acquire throughout your various runs. The game becomes easier, if not because you're developing your skills, but because you have more resources that you have for permanent upgrades. Yeah. So it doesn't give you that immediate feeling of impossible to finish things like Spelunky gives you or God, Binding of Isaac gives you like Binding of Isaac can be so like, what am I even doing? But <laughs> this game, as far as roguelikes go, it gives you a lot of confidence and it does kind of like by the fact that like failure is built into the narrative yeah it reassures you a lot yeah and even that there like there's voice lines for failure like he comes out mm-hmm. and hypnos has like a oh my goodness he died again <laughs> bummer womp womp. <laughs> womp womp next you'll get him next time champ yeah exactly exactly that welcome to the house of hades where wait i know you guess that means you died out there huh well, don't be sad, though. Pretty much everybody dies sometime. Speaking to, we, you know, I engaged with this earlier, the fact that, like, the, the mechanics of the game and the, the story, like, are working in tandem. I do think that Hades is one of the best examples of using a the medium of a video game to tell a story. Like, it's one of the best ever. Yes. The convention of a roguelike game is to keep dying and start over from basically zero, over and over and over again, until you accumulate the skills you need to finally beat Hades but like it is you're not going to get in your first run you're probably not going to get in your second run there are people who have done that after lots and lots of practice and that's a speed running thing now like the speed running community has like a win in the first run thing now like insane stuff but as an experience like for the for the common player it's like the metaphor of Sisyphus rolling a boulder up a hill for all eternity which I love Sisyphus he's such a good guy yeah, the game yeah. even acknowledges Sisyphus as a character in the yeah. in the game. He's like one of the first merchants that you can run into. And he's a pleasant man. If you read the myth, saying I love Sisyphus is a little weird. But here it's it's a play on uh, Albert Camus' like idea of yeah. one must imagine Sisyphus happy. He's just a, a decent guy who's like accepted his life and he's like, I like rolling the boulder up a hill now, actually. <laughs> yeah. It owns and Boldy has like a face carved in it and it's his best friend. <laughs> You've really never gotten Boldy to the top before. Never got the boulder to the top, not even once. Always tumbles down right at the very end. Lost count after the 19,000th time or so. But you know what? One of these days, I bet it's going to stick. It's genuinely delightful. There's no dark undercurrent (laughs) to it at all. It's just like, I fucking love Boldy. What are you talking about? You could give Boldy uh, nectar if you want to. The best thing, I didn't know that, by the way. I did not know that. I think you can. I think that's a thing that happens if you like build your relationship enough up with Sisyphus. Like you can like talk to Boldy uh, as Zagreus, and obviously Boldy doesn't say anything back. But it's, yeah, I, it's are cool. you kidding? That's amazing. Boldy, while on one hand I know that making offerings to you won't really help me get out of here, on the other hand, maybe it will. That that's what makes it, I think, also so good for people who don't even intend to play it to watch it, because there are so many, you know, Greek mythology. It's so interpretable. It has so many different uh, iterations. Even the gods and goddesses, they have different iterations in different cultures. So a lot of it translates and a lot of people have a different understanding of the gods and goddesses and their stories. And they're familiar with what is happening to a degree 
And they're like, okay, well, how does Zeus act in this game? How does this person come to play? How does this one come to play? They're like, how does Aphrodite act in this game? You know what I mean? And you're already accustomed to it. So people will see Sisyphus, they'll see Achilles, and they're like, oh, Achilles is a gay boy. You know, he's gay. And his boyfriend is sad and depressed. You know, like that's that's the story that Hades is telling. And it doesn't have to. Like, you don't really have to care about that. But I personally care a lot. And Eurydice and Orpheus, you know what I mean? No, that's great stuff. I think you, you're speaking to the beauty of the Greek myths of where it's like, yeah. even if we don't have like the the granular details of like what interpretation of Zeus is, if, if he's like an out and out asshole in this version, or if he's like a supportive father like he is in Disney's Hercules, you, you still have the idea of like understanding of like the basic shit of what Zeus is. Like, yeah, it's, it's shorthand archetyping that like gives you like something immediately she can grab onto. Hades is king of the underworld. Aphrodite is, you know, goddess of love, that kind of stuff. Like you, you have the shorthand there and then they color it in there because all these characters have a surprising amount of depth. Like it's, it's yeah. great. Demeter's like cold demeanor and her mourning the loss of her, her daughter for God knows how long and how that colors in her relationship with Zagreus and how that sense of tragedy is carrying over into when you actually go up onto the surface and everything's covered in snow because of that perpetual winter, which ties back into the original myth of Hades and yeah. all that. Like it's 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 all fantastic. Yeah. I love Artemis in this game for some reason. Like I, on a design level. Her. her personality. Oh my personality. gosh. I love all of it. I like for some reason, like I don't know why Artemis sticks out to me as like my favorite of the the goddesses to engage with when I'm collecting stuff, mm-hmm. especially since like I'm not too wild about her boons compared to the others. But I mean, there's no bad yeah. boons for the record, but like just like hers <laughs> in particular, it's like yeah. they don't have the same bite as like Athena Dash Shield or something like that. Yeah. Not everybody on Olympus is a total disappointment, Zagreus. Why, someday maybe you could meet Callisto. She goes hunting with me all the time. But you don't see many wooden nymphs down there. I just love all these characters so much. And it does such a wonderful job filling in all that. It's 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 fantastic. So who's your least favorite god? My least favorite god uh, to engage with? Uh, I, I mean, that's a question I actually have for you. Let's let's get into that real quick. What are your favorites? And what are your least favorite? I think my least favorite on like a boon level is like, I don't ever really get uh, Hermes' stuff. I sometimes will use Hermes if I don't have anything for my dash ability mm-hmm. and I can tell like I'm already halfway through like if I'm an Asphodel and I don't have anything for my dash I'm like yeah fuck it we'll go for Hermes but I'll be goddamned if I ever pick Zeus over anybody no, if yeah. I have an option between anybody and Dionysus I'm picking anybody like mm-hmm. it's not even close <laughs> no yeah the hangover is good whatever but I just ugh, every time I talk to him it ruins my my run <laughs> No, I mean, like, he can be a little annoying. Like, the thing, like, it really bums me out that, like, I don't like picking that Hermes' uh, abilities is because he's the least of an asshole of he's anybody. So nice. like, Artemis's convictions are actually valid. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, she ha- she's allowed to have that edge. And Hermes is so nice to you, but, like... Less useful. God. Dionysus is, like... He's a cool character because, you know, he has that, that stoner drunk edge to him, but he's also very easily pissed off, which is like so realistic if you know that type of guy. The, the, the yeah. stoner <laughs> who immediately turns on a dime to being like a raging asshole. Yeah. That is so fucking true to life. Like angry people who are just like, oh, I'm so chill, though, you know. He's all about parties, you know. He's all about parties. Chill guy. Fucking hate him. <laughs> Have a personality. <laughs> yeah, bozo. Bozo. <laughs> oh my god. 
I do let my biases inform who I do pick when it does like say choose between these two gods and goddesses. Like I'm not going to pick Zeus over Artemis. Are you fucking insane? Oh, look, turns out it's time for target practice once again. Start running, Zagreus. Okay, Artemis or Ares? Uh, oof. You get the Ar- Ar- Ares thing afterwards anyway, but it's just like, I gotta show support for like the goddess I like more in those two, just because I know I'm going to get the Ares thing afterwards anyway. So I'd probably choose Artemis first, even though I know that Ares' abilities are better. I love Ares. I love Ares so much. Is it powers at least? Yeah. I love everything about him. Every time he's an asshole, I'm like, ugh. I hate that. Stop. Oh, my God. You're so annoying. <laughs> babe, you're so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> Don't call me a bitch. Ew. Stop. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, that's literally mm. it. <laughs> my toxic boyfriend. Um, yeah, my toxic boyfriend, Aries. <laughs> I could fix him, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I love whatever's fucking wrong with him. It's amazing. Yeah, that's good. Let's talk about Aries for the next hour. That's the rest of the episode. Death rears its head in all too many forms, I'm sure you know. Though you may never find them all, I nonetheless encourage you to try. But no, going back to the the, the Sisyphus ordeal of everything here, the weaving the permadeath mechanic into the story where like you emerge from the pool of blood and you're back from square one and you know, Zagreus is commenting on the events of the last run and he's going back to the room talking to everybody and developing his relationship, giving him the nectar that he collected. Uh, from that last run it's all wonderful stuff if you're not making progress in the game mechanically at least socially you're making progress with your friends in the area too so it never feels like a run is wasted like yeah you've had some shitty fucking runs in games like binding of isaac or spelunky where you're just like what the fuck was i doing what the fuck was that but this game having a story mode where you can at least advance the relationships of your friends and family and stuff that that makes a shitty run still feel worth it yeah 100 percent. and it never feels like at least for me I always feel motivated to get back in after a bad run. Like there's, I never feel like too defeated by the game, you know? Like I always feel like there's a a method to the madness. Sometimes I'll just want to keep doing runs so I can see what happens with Meg after the run. Just so I can talk to her after and say like, hey. (laughs) If it doesn't progress the story, at least you're like deepening your understanding of the characters, even if you didn't get to kill dad on that run. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're rewarded with abilities that you can use during your runs. You can still like buy stuff uh, in the mirror or at the store in the kitchen. Like there, there's stuff yeah. that you can do. It does so much to make sure that you don't feel shitty at any any yeah. point or defeat it. There are just so many incentives to keep going. It's so, so well done. Every single interaction you have in the game is in service of either the story or the gameplay. And that is fucking fantastic. Like I like video games like The Last of Us and the, the recent God of War games. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Those cinematic games, they're good. That's a valid way of telling a story is using the, the the tropes and mechanics of filmmaking if you want to do it that way. Yeah. And I'm not going to take it away from you if that's what you prefer. But Hades is so fucking good because it actually uses the language of video games and interactivity yeah. to tell its story. It doesn't need to use, uh, you know, flourishy cutscenes or cinematic stuff to get its point across or to make you feel like it's a good story. It's just confident enough in its own writing abilities and how that story is weaved into the gameplay that it doesn't need the flourishes of the established language of cinema. Mm-hmm. It's better that it isn't as cinematic as other video games. It demonstrates that games can be compelling without those conventions. And that's that's incredible. I do feel like that's a major advancement that we are going to see in more and more games in the future. I also think what's really unique about how accessible it is to players who maybe aren't familiar with the format, um, and this is you know their first adventure into roguelike games, is 
if you already have an understanding of any of these characters to any degree, you know, whether it's a Disney movie, whether it's, you know, studying it in school, whatever it is, to some extent, if you have any concept of any of these stories and watching how they interpret it to tie back to Zagreus, who has never, never been somebody I've ever known about, you know, right. I've never heard any stories about Zagreus. To understand his relationship and then already have some kind of understanding about Persephone and Hades' story and wondering how the fuck they were going to explain it to their son, it just kept me going. I just wanted to know how they were going to make sense of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's wonderful. The way that it is able to tastefully incorporate the the messy canon of the original Greek mythology in a way that's palatable Mm -hmm. and gestures at the, the dark nature of those stories like uh the way artemis's attitude is informed by her other relationship with gods like they don't out and out say it but like there's 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 history there yeah the the dark stuff that is like in the official hades and persephone myth like they they try and talk about that in uh, a way that it's like we're going to address these stories tastefully and try and build a new mythos from those like broad strokes and that's that's fantastic yeah this is tangentially related to it and we talked about it early how sexy this game is but <laughs> yeah as much as i love video games i don't think it's unfair to say that a lot of depictions of what i call horny behavior um a lot of it's embarrassing in video games <laughs> yeah you think about like uh god days gone and like how there's that cutscene at the beginning game it's like ride me as much as you ride your motorcycle and it's like what the fuck are you doing what the fuck is that that's that's so it's just that's slutty. Not how- slutty for no reason <laughs> Here, you can have this one back, but only if you promise to ride me as much as you ride your bike. Men riding women in video games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to say, but there is, you know, obviously good examples of men riding women in video games, like a lot of the flourishes that this game does in coloring in the backgrounds and emotions of the women in this game. Mm. It, it just like, it does so well to actually like not make the way these characters are horny for each other embarrassing. <laughs> the fact that you can romance Meg and Thanatos like it's it's good and the fact that you can romance both of them like Zagreus is not only bisexual it's also just not like an either <laughs> or situation like it's yeah. you can have Meg and Than if you want to and it doesn't cast judgment over that like when it happens like Meg's like we're gods we yeah we fuck each other that's what we do <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's how most of Olympus behaves anyway so yeah I did yeah. well address it that's how all the fucking problems start and <sighs> Zeus fucking everybody we're not mere mortals, Zag. Mortals cling to one another viciously because their lives are short. What do we care? If Nix has taught me one thing, it's that the heart has no bounds. Now quit your worry and get prepared for when we meet again out there. Like, this game isn't just a roguelike. It is a, has RPG elements. It has hack and slash elements. It has yeah. so much to it. And it's also a dating sim. So to <laughs> that point about it being a sort of dating sim video game, who is the best? Dusa, Meg, or Than? Than, 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 Than. The, yeah. Okay, the choice between... Dusa's not even an option for me. I, she's a simp. I don't I don't have time for Dusa. Prince, I don't know what to say. I, are you joking around with me, baby? Oh, I am deadly serious, Dusa. Honest. It's for you. I love that Meg hates me. I love it. It's so... The fact that she just fucking the first of all the fact that she's beating your ass for the first few runs 
incredible mm-hmm. incredible it just makes me want her more and winning her over is like the most satisfying fucking thing in the world but than the way he cares oh oh this is <laughs> this is the best part about you know getting my dating sim satisfaction out of it because not only like is it fun to see how their relationships progress the more you interact with them but winning over some of your favorite characters so satisfying but then having Mm -hmm. those trinkets to have them come help you during your runs and seeing the different abilities that they use incredible i pick than 100 percent. okay okay interesting yeah um real quick who do you marry in stardew valley I just need to make. I'm trying to connect some dots real quick. Who who do you who do you marry in Stardew? Sebastian. Uh huh. Interesting. 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 I'm <laughs> connecting some dots. You know, I'm just like thinking like Ares, huh? And then uh, and then like Thanatos, huh? Sebastian, huh? Um. Okay. No comment. Just I'm just saying the. I'm just gonna say their names in a tone, and you can. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's fine. Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I marry Abigail in Stardew Valley. So am See, I? You're no am better. I, you're no better. I'm no, be- I'm no fucking better. I'm no fucking better. Pick the gamer girl. <laughs> no, here's the fucking thing. Here is the fucking thing, though. I uh, like. I, I I think I might like Meg for toxic reasons. So I mean, am I? <laughs> of course. Who doesn't? Like I, I I love Than. I love the arc with Than. I love the whole like the fact that he appears in the game to help you. And if you do beat him in terms of like I killed more guys than you, uh, and he gives you a heart for that. Like that stuff's cool. I like that whole like he actually helps you and you don't actually have to fight him thing where as there's that with uh, Meg and the yeah. sisters, the Furies. Like, I understand the beauty of that. Like, this person who is extremely cold to you, still fundamentally being all about, like, why why are you doing this? Like, I'm doing this because I care for you, and I don't think it's healthy for you, versus, like, that understanding you come to where it's like, yeah, I was an asshole to you, Than. Like, I'm sorry for that, and I should have... I, I needed to open up to you more, but, like, this was something that I had to... Uh, this is something I have to do, and they, they come to that understanding. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. It's great. But Meg beats you up. And but Meg, dude. Meg beats because, you up. Okay, because I'm gonna give you this. Okay, even though she's a villain, even though she's one of the asterisks, asterisks, mm-hmm. she also cares in her own way. She cares in a way that Than does towards the beginning, where it's very like, "Why are you doing this? You are making your life harder, chasing something that you don't understand. So just do us all a favor and cut it out." So. I understand completely that like Meg is colder and hostile rather instead of like as aloof as Than can be. But she is like, you are a fucking idiot for doing this. That's, you know, kind of a love language, you know, like the point is still getting across. But with Than, he's like, I can fix you. (laughs) (laughs) Than is like the I can fix him kind of simp. And maybe that's why like – Maybe that's why I'm not like as into him as I am into Meg because Meg is just like you want to fix her. <laughs> I don't want to fix her, and that's not that's not the thing. I don't. I want to fix our relationship. You know, like <laughs> she can beat me. Like, oh, I'm gonna lose on purpose this time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, yeah, you could, bro. Have you? Have you? Okay, this is a spoiler. I don't know if you know. No, we can skip. Like, yeah, you're saying spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. All of this spoilers. But when you get to the point in your relationship where you guys max out your hearts romantically with Meg, mm-hmm. and then there's like a little cutscene, like a saucy s- cutscene, and you hear the whip go, it cracks me up every fucking time. I'm like, mm-hmm. Zagreus, as I live and breathe, Zagreus, 
your mother, <laughs> your stepmom is outside the door. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Orpheus has to hear you. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. The halls are not that big. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer Meg. End of comment. Um Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, we all have this our is, type. This is the horniest episode of Selected Start. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um It's the most bisexual game of all time. It is the most bisexual yeah. game of all time, and it's great for it. Like I said, it, it handles all the horny stuff tastefully, like in a way that we aren't being tasteful about it. Like no, we're that's, being that's not the tone. The yeah. game is the game is romantic. The game is earnestly as romantic as a story about Greek mythology can be. It's people actually working out their issues in a healthy way, coming to yeah. understandings with one another, like not compromising who they are as people, but getting better understanding standings of one another yeah. and, you know, having forgiveness and having genuine apologies. And there, there, there's healthy dynamics to all this stuff. It isn't just like, Ooh, hot pictures of hot Sex men stuff. and hot women, yeah. and hot, you know, <laughs> non-binary beings beyond our cosmic understanding. Like it's, it you, is that, but it is more. You find chaos sexy? He's not not sexy. Like, I don't like want to date him about it, but like, there's no character that's like, oh, that's an uggo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, don't get too wrong up there. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're sounding a bit flustered. <laughs> I just like Hades so much as a video game. We've talked about the things that we love about this game in great detail so far. What is something that you wish this game did better? Mm, I'm gonna this is a rather superficial answer okay sometimes Zag's accent Darren sometimes it's just wrong you know how do you mean sometimes the accent is so like butchered like he enunciates every word this (laughs) the plot is still really good really good but sometimes you can tell it's a American guy doing a British accent because he enunciates every word with an accent and there are some words that just can disappear in those sentences. And also, why is he British, but his dad is like not really British? You know, he was raised by he was raised by Nick's mostly. Maybe that goes into it. Nick's has no accent. Would you like I to answer know. me again? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing. I think. I think there is no like idea of what it's supposed to be. I think their voice direction, which was the right direction to take, was just like. You know, just fuck the mic a little bit, you know, like <laughs> the way that everybody talks in this game, it's very sultry, like the way like yeah. that's how they handle it in fucking uh, Castlevania, right? Like you have Richard Armitage, like basically making out with the mic when he's like talking in that gravelly throaty like. <laughs> mm, I thought I'd be so hungry I'd climb my shit by the pursuit of breakfast. Mm, it's 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 unrepentantly horny, but like it's also like genuinely good performances. But I guess you are right that Zagreus is kind of like. He's not a professional voice actor like the rest of the voice cast is, but it is impressive that he does have a range because he's also scaly, which is just like doing that like, hey, boy, oh, what are you doing over there? Yeah. See, that feels more natural for him, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Honestly, though, I think the soundtrack is so good. Not even like that amazing, beautiful song um, Mm -hmm. that... Uh, Eurydice sings but the when you get to a boss level and it intensifies just like oh my god like 
the tempo and the pulse of the song will just boom, boom, boom. And it gets to a point where they're literally playing like metal <laughs> to yeah. a certain degree. Like just these insane riffs while you're in the shit with, you know, in Asphodel with the boss, with Lurney or whatever. And it just adds so much to the experience of the game that most of the time when I start a game, immediately I turn off the music, even starting. I immediately turn off the music because I get too oh, overstimulated because I like to play my own music. But with this game, I get a, I get to a point where I don't even want to listen to my own music. I just want to hear the sounds of the game and experience it like that. It's amazing. It's so well done. <laughs> We're supposed to be complaining. I'm supposed to tell you what I don't like. <laughs> yeah, but like, let's talk about the music for a second because it is fucking fantastic. Like when you get yeah. the Hades at the very end, and then like you have like your little dialogue, and then like the music amps up, and then there's like that guitar riff that goes into, and it like yeah. like you said, it sort of becomes like a doom track. Yeah, like <laughs> so fucking good. The the way this is able to weave in modern sensibilities with classic sensibilities. So it's, it's perfect. It's yeah. Perfect. You go from the, like the entry, you go from the, the music that plays in the halls to your first experiences in uh, Tartarus. I think it's so well done. I don't yeah. have any, any complaints. Yeah, no, I do have one issue. Like I struggle to think of things. I joked earlier that the game's perfect, but it's, it's close to perfect, but like, yeah, no video game is 100% perfect. Yeah. But there's very little that doesn't work for me. If I had to identify one issue that I have with it, it, it's that the last level, the Temple of Sticks, before you go up to fight Hades, it can really feel like a kick in the dick sometimes. It can really just like really be a run killer in a way that is difficult. I don't think it's bullshit. I don't think it's like bullshit the game design or anything yeah. like that. But the poison damage that you just take, like it, it just feels like it's just meant to chip away at your health and your morale. Yeah. Elysium can be so hard, like especially in those early runs, especially since you have to like fight two people at the same time at the end of that boss run. Temple of Sticks is just like, oh God, it can be so demoralizing sometimes. Yeah, I feel the same way. It gets so frustrating, especially with the poison damage. I think I had like four runs yesterday and one of them didn't complete because of the Temple of Sticks, because of one of those fucking satyrs, especially because I really like the punishment pact of uh, middle management. And so it'll yeah. always have those insane ones with those giant rats. And they set me back so much to the point where the second I get in the room with Hades, I feel like if I don't have Death Defiance on, I feel like I don't have a shot. One of the big run killers for me is just like fighting, um, God, I can't remember their names, the the bull, the minotaur, and um, yeah, yeah. his gay little boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Asterius. <laughs> Asterius, yeah. Asterius and the minotaur. Uh, like, that used to be my big run killer. But then, like, I've, I've figured out so many strategies with so many different builds for them where it's just like, fucking got you motherfuckers fucking got you and then like i go yeah. to temple of sticks and like a fucking big rat room just like still annihilates me as much as it does in the early runs just because like god but no i still love the game and like it's a minor issue 
that doesn't ruin my perception of the game at all. I do yeah. think it's a really creative thing. And there is like, it's really just down to like luck in that, that final yeah. run. Whereas like the rest of the game is so skill-based that it, it's just like a different like switch in your brain that you really have to factor in. I came to a point yesterday where it took me so long to get to this understanding of it. Um, typically I'll avoid if I'm trying to do a run that's a little bit quicker and I'll do this on stream, not so much when I'm playing by myself, but I'll avoid the rooms that are like, you know, they indicate rooms that are a little bit harder, um, with the skull. And typically when I'm in the temple of sticks, I avoid those because I want to make it go as quickly as possible. And also because I know I'm going to be taking a lot of damage anyway. So I want to soften the blow as much as possible. But when you get to that point and you're not going down the right path anyway, you get to the end room, like you get to the last encounter of every path and it's so fucking difficult anyway. (laughs) So I'm like, why am I trying to discern which one is going to be easiest for me? All of them are going to be difficult. So I'll just go for the best perk at that point. Yeah, that's that's always been my strategy where it's like, look, either... (laughs) either there's a waterfall or like there's a fountain at the end of this or just bullshit there's no easy bullshit at that at that end like i'm either it's it's all gonna be big rats and falling axes and shit so it's like i'm just gonna i don't know let's do it yeah balls to the wall yeah i I, love the game though i would rather just fight hades directly every time than fucking go through the rooms in the temple of sticks it's so annoying We've talked about like our favorite gods in terms of like characters, but like, what do you think are like the best boons in the game? Like, and why is it Athena's dash ability? Athena's dash is pretty goaded. I would say Demeter. Every time I have one of her chill abilities, I know it's going to be a good run. Every time I have any weak abilities from, from Aphrodite, that's okay. You know, not so bad, but Mm -hmm. Ares, every time I have a doom or fuck, what are they called? The, the discs. Yeah, yeah, the, like those doom discs, whatever they're called. The doom discs, yeah. I was yeah. just playing last night. Every time I see the those guys, I pick it every single time. Every oh, time yeah. I have doom as an option, I pick it every single time. Every time I see a hammer, every single time. Got to get the hammer. Um, but any ability that lets you like deflect is perfect for me because you. I almost always, in the second level, those witches that just keep firing shit at you. If you do not have a yeah. single deflect ability, that room just feels like, oh my god, this is so hard. This is so hard. This is hard. Yeah. So I like having deflect. And you're right about Demeter's ice abilities all being really wonderful. I love the ice beam ability. I love using yeah. those. Like It is so great. It makes fighting all the bosses so easy. You get to learning. You're just like firing beams at the other heads. And it's like, yeah. The one thing I will say to Zeus's credit, I think he's awful Mm. as a god and also the boons are like fine, whatever. His call, unmatched. Oh, yeah. So good. No, there's. I don't think there's a god who has a call that I just like straight up don't like. I like Poseidon stuff a lot just because I like the feeling in video games of just pushing people away. Like if I can't deflect, I can at least push you really hard. Yeah, especially when you're using like the the claws. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite weapon? Oh, uh, it always changes. Like it, it really like it depends on how good of a run I'm having. But yeah. like using the fists is like just so good. I love being a brawler. I like using the magnet one yes. and having an uppercut, and then they just have to come in and like have their face be uppercut <laughs> every single time. Yeah. Love oh it. Oh my god. Yeah, mm. I'm just not a shield girl. Other than that, I feel like I can make 
everything else work. I just but like that one where you like have a charge shield attack and then like afterwards yeah. you can press X and then a bunch of shields just disperse and hit everywhere. Like, yeah, it's got its place. It works. I can do my runs with the shield. I can mm-hmm. make it work, but it's n- it's my last choice. Oh, man, I can't wait to see what weapons are in the next one. Oh, I'm my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for oh. the lore. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be so good. Like, we, we're really just working off of, like, two minutes of footage, but I, I just have so much, like, running through my brain already because I've been wondering, like, they didn't do all the Greek gods in this one. They just did, like, the principles, but they didn't have Apollo. And, like, one of the first gods you see in a new trailer is like, oh, shit, it's Apollo. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it I so much. I got hands for Apollo. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. It's so good. We got to do a sequel to this podcast when the new one comes out. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to do a touch base eventually because, like, <laughs> I think Hades is, like, in my top 10 of all time. Definitely agree. Definitely. I love all the games I've talked about on this podcast so far. Like, Breath of the Wild is that game. Link to the Past is that game. Metal Gear Solid 3. All of them. All of the games. All my guests. All perfect games. But, like, for this one, it's just, like, recency. Yeah. How often I can just pick up and play this game at random, whereas so many other games are story-based and you have to make yeah. so much commitment to it. This is literally just like, I can pick it up, I can do a 20-minute run, and I can put it down most of the time. Yeah. Before then, it was like, 20 minutes becomes two hours. But now, it's just like... If I want to do one run, log off. If I even... Sometimes I'll even stop in the middle of a run if I'm that tired and pick Mm -hmm. back up. And I'm like, okay, well, these are my boons. This is my weapon. Yeah. Easy. And that's another thing in favor of the game is like, you don't have to commit to a full run. You can just like get... You can just pause it and come back to it, and you don't really face any consequences for it. Yeah. Uh, I like there's so much going for this game. It's so great. It's good for those of us with attention issues for sure. Oh yeah, no, I have <laughs> the severe ADHD yeah. and just like I'm becoming I'm really cherishing shorter games in general just because I love short burst entertainment. I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap when I haven't been able to do a lot of deck building games just because you can do a whole game in five minutes and that's it. Yeah. You don't there you go. Yeah. It's it's not like Hearthstone where you have to like sit down for forty minutes and you lose and it's like i just lost an hour of my life losing <laughs> oh my gosh my brother um we grew up playing games together for sure mm-hmm. we've always liked different style games where whereas he'll really love a story-based game he was on the the roguelike train long before i was he was playing binding of isaac religiously when he was in high mm-hmm. school and i mean it worked out for him because now he works in game development he really likes like the long form games he'll play world of warcraft for hours he'll play hearthstone he'll play any long form game his favorite. Whereas my attention span, if I have to play an entire Valorant game and it's a close one where it's 12-12, I have an issue. Mm. I start getting antsy. I can't do that. So I think what's really nice about Hades is that when you get too into the routine of it, something new is going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you're already anticipating the next step, but something new is always going to happen, especially if you have these like punishment packs that surprise you, even though you're a hundred runs into the game. Yeah, yeah, no, there's... Like I said, there's still stuff I'm learning about the game, even though I've like well gone past the epilogue, have resolved all the story stuff. There's just like so many little things that just keep you going. And there's so much to this like deceptively simple little game that 20 people made. It's it's fantastic. Um, We're going to move on to recommendations in just a second. We do have to acknowledge some important news. Like we've, we've talked about it, but like Thursday, December 8th, the same day, like I reached out to you to confirm that like we were going to have this meeting like they announced Hades 2 was coming they announced it at the game awards it's a sequel we only have a brief two minute trailer all we know is like you play Zagreus' sister uh Melanoe and you will receive assistance from different different gods like a Hecate Apollo so on and so forth really fucking exciting what do you want 
like specifically what would you want out of a Hades sequel? Oh my god, I want stories about the Titans. Mm. I need it. In terms of the fighting style, I would like something a little bit less simplistic for sure. Because I know even though you have all the weapons, you have all the the differentiations of the weapons, you get really accustomed to them uh, after I'm in the epilogue now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get accustomed to it at that point. And um, I don't want to see the same weapons at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do wonder how Zagreus is going to interact or even play into this game, because I can't imagine that he wouldn't be, especially if it's his sister, supposedly. And, you know, what kind of timeline we're looking at here. I'm a very non-critical lens that I'm looking at this game through and I'm trying not to hype myself up too much for it. I'm just going to try to take in the story and, you know, the gameplay is going to be secondary for me. <laughs> right. No, yeah. it's this is the first sequel that Supergiant has ever developed. Like Hades was like everything else, probably just meant to be a standalone game. But the success is just so, yeah, so, so different from the success that they've had from their other critically acclaimed games that it's like nobody's hating the fact that they're developing a Hades sequel. Like, yeah, I'm so hyped about it. And yeah. I don't know what I want from it necessarily. Like besides what you've said, like new weapons, um, you do have a point that even though there's different uh, aspects to each weapon, there is really only two main attacks that you can do. And your variety is really only going to come in when you have those boons that complement them in one way or another. Mm. But it does look like they're really leaning into the fact that they're just doing entirely brand new weapons. So I'm yeah. I can't wait to see how that's going to. I just can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I, 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 I can't so wait. I'm, so I'm gonna take yeah. I'm gonna take the entire week off work and comes out. I'm so excited. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to work with my switch. Just like, <laughs> hey, you, you hear about this shit? <laughs> I'm taking a long lunch. Mama needs to mm-hmm. do a run. Death to Kronos. Sorry guys, it's um, it's time. At the end of, uh, towards the end of every episode, I should say, I invite the guests to make some recommendations based off their taste or just based off of the game that we've talked about. For listeners who want to know more about your tastes or just like games like Hades, what would you recommend they check out? I mentioned it in passing a couple times, but Cult of the Lamb is one of those ones where it's just excessively cute. I love it very much. And it's also incredibly gory. The story is as detailed as it can be for a protagonist that doesn't speak and just gets spoken to a lot, you know? You run a cult, a satanic cult. It's a lot cuter than that, than it sounds, <laughs> I promise. It's it's really lovely and there's Twitch integration if you know that's something that you're interested in that you can get chat to participate in even if they don't want to play the game. Even if they don't care about what's happening in the game, they can still participate in a way and kind of inform the decisions that you make. So I think that's, it's a really good group game to play. It's newer, it's a lot more short form than Hades is. So, you know, if your attention span doesn't go as far as 130 runs, (laughs) then I definitely (laughs) recommend it, yeah. No, uh, any other recommendations besides that? Like it it doesn't even have to be a game. It could be a TV show, a book, a movie, anything. Ooh, there's a comic I read actually. Oh my god! Oh, go for it. There's this uh, Korean comic called a, it's a, it's a webtoon and it's called Lore Olympus, I think, and okay. it's based on the story of uh, Persephone and Hades. It's definitely a very cutesy. Like it's uh, 
it's like a rom-com about Hades and Persephone that kind of interprets their story as distorted by um, the gods on Olympus. And it, it kind of shows like a different understanding of their relationship, which I think is really cute. I think it's really lovely and I definitely recommend it. I think it is still ongoing, but it's it's a pretty popular one. Yeah, I've heard of that one and I'm excited to play Cult of the Lamb too. Like that's been on my list to play of 2022 games forever. Everybody I know who's played it loves it. So yeah. I, I love a good roguelike game. And to that end, I have a few recommendations as well. If you want another roguelike experience after Hades, I would highly recommend Risk of Rain and Risk of Rain 2. Uh, as they were my very favorite of the genre before I played Hades. Uh, I played a lot of those in uh, early 2020. There are more traditional roguelikes. There aren't like heavy narrative and you always start from zero during every run, but you get more and more available upgrades that you have a better understanding of. So progression still feels like a thing. Uh, and you unlock more characters as you go through more, I don't know, a way of describing them, like different routes during runs. The games maintain the same aesthetics. One of them is like a pixely side-scrolling one and one's a fully 3d world but a lot of the same principles a lot of the same rules risk of rain 2 is the one i would recommend people play if they had to pick between the two but both are wonderful roguelike games well worth checking out and they can be played on basically any console they're not graphically demanding games that you need a good computer for if you have to play them on pc no if you just want a good really damn good roguelike those are really worth checking out and my other recommendation uh, is Vampire Survivors, which is a game that recently came out. Uh, much like Hades, uh, Vampire Survivors has an addicting gameplay loop that makes you want to do another round because there's not really anything in Vampire Survivors that can be more than half an hour at most. Like Hades, you accumulate different power-ups with the purpose of creating a special build to decimate enemies as more and more of them appear on the screen. Like Hades, you can purchase permanent upgrades to make you know progressive rounds more easier for you. Unlike Hades, though, which expects a lot of the player in terms of reflexes, you know, you have a lot of buttons you have to press, you have to attack, you have to, like, dodge, you have to factor in the boons that you have. The only thing you're responsible for in Vampire Survivors is movement. You only have to, you can play this game with one hand because it's up, down, left, and right. That That's it. That's all you need to do to play Vampire Survivors. You move up, you move down, you move left, you can right. The weapons all fire automatically. You just have to move and get out of the way of the hordes attacking you. And, Suze, I think you'd appreciate this. It's actually Twitch integrated too. So it has all these features that Twitch can use to interact with your run. And if you want to play a game while also interacting with chat, something that you can play, you know, you have to pay attention, but you can play a lot more passively than most video games. I'd, I'd highly recommend it for you. And I'd highly recommend it to anybody else because short of maybe Elden Ring, which is my, you know, definite game of the year. Vampire Survivors, as simple as it is, it is also like up there in terms of my favorite games I played in 2022. It's fantastic. Like I said earlier, I'm really valuing these shorter experiences and Vampire Survivors is absolutely that. This dream has been brought to you by Vampire Survivors. <laughs> yeah, no. And, oh, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. While I'm shamelessly advertising for this game. It's not expensive at all. Like we talked about how Hades is never more than $20. This game is currently retailing for $5 at most. They never charge more than $5 for this game. This really so, does yeah. sound like an advertisement. How much no, are they look, paying look. you for this plug? Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it because like it is a game that I've heard a lot of people talk up and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And then I checked it out for myself on the Lark and I instantly added it to Steam because... Um, 
I, t- I tried it out on Game Pass, then I instantly bought it on Steam because like, oh, I know I want to own this game. I know I want to own this game forever. I may as well just bite the bullet. Um, but yeah, for those interested in the game, only cost five dollars. Uh, I've already gotten countless hours out of it. It's on Xbox. It's on PC, and literally any computer can run it because it has like classic Castlevania games aesthetics. Like it, it's all pixel art. Anybody can run it. Anybody can play it. And the fact that you can only play it with like pressing up, down, left, and right makes it eminently playable for basically any human being. So highly recommended on that re- metric. One more, one more recommendation before I go. There's another game that came out this year that I'm really into lately that would satisfy a lot of Hades fans for its religious imagery and fast-paced gameplay. It's called Neon White. It does not have the amazing writing that Hades has. We talked about how games are tastefully horny in Hades' sense. Like, There's a lot of like intelligence to Hades writing, a lot of sensitivity, a lot of like understanding of dynamics and relationships and the way that people hurt each other. Hades is fundamentally a game about healing people and breaking out of the infinite loop, the infinite cycle of pain inflicted on each other. That's a huge theme of Hades' story. Neon White doesn't have that. Neon White does not have that sensitivity at all. It feels like it was a game written by like a, a teen anime Discord. Like here's the thing: like it is, it is partially like a visual novel, but mostly uh, like a like a parkour doom head like sonic the hedgehog mirrors edge fast paced gameplay thing fantastic gameplay fast forward through the story and you'll have a great time machine girl does the music for the game which is so weird but also so 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 good like it sounds like those <laughs> early uh 2000s dreamcast playstation games like a uh, ape escape or a jet set radio some influence from those mick gordon doom soundtracks too like i, I shit on the story a lot and don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a fucked up story where like the hoardiness is actively embarrassing and you feel like you're watching a bad anime dub. Apologies to Steve Bloom, who voices the main character. But fantastic game to actually play. I highly recommend it. Like I said, fast paced gameplay, like every stage is like a minute long and like the gameplay loop of like, oh, I have to beat my time to get the highest score possible. It, it satisfies the monkey brain in me that needs immediate gratification out of every game I play. So yeah, <laughs> I love fast paced gameplay. So Risk of Rain, Vampire Survivors, and Neon White, which are all wonderful, wonderful games. Suze, do you have any more recommendations before we move on? No, not a single one. Oh, not a single one. Uh, I, I have, have chat s- saying uh, Binding of Isaac and Spirit Circle. Binding of Isaac and Spirit Circle. So I'm going to say you recommended your games, and I'm going to make sure chat has their uh, representation too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Binding of Isaac, Spirit Circle. I really appreciate uh, chat being so patient with us as we did not interact with them too much. So thank you very much, Seuss Chat, for listening to us talk about a wonderful game. Before I go and conclude this episode, Suze, I do have some listener comments. Would you like to read them along with me? Sure. All right. So some comments that we've got from listeners. At Reincarnate, didn't know what to expect from it other than friends saying it was, quote, so good, end quote. TBH, they kind of undersold it. Don't have any critiques. Perfect at progression, even when you get sent back to your room every half hour at the start. Enemy to weapon, power-up design, art, VAing score, chef's kiss. 100%. Oh, yeah. Literally just the summation of us fangirling over it for the past hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. 
I've never seen a game balance so much so well and be so streamlined in its approach to it. It's, it's fantastic stuff. At Monotone Gent, the Game Awards made me bump it up the backlog. Leave me alone. They make too many video games. Other old man complaints about not having time to respond to everything. Move it up your backlog. This is a game worth playing, and it's it's not a time commitment unless you want to make it a time commitment, which you will, because it's worth it. Very addictive. Very addictive. Yeah. At Baloney Salad said, I buy a lot of games, a lot, but out of all of them, Hades is the one I feel most guilty about never playing. Same exact comment. Play it. Play it. Chat, if, you're, if you've never played Hades, you better be playing it too. I cannot state how much I love the game. Um, like, even if, you know... Even if you buy it and you just want to watch me play it, you just want to spend your nights watching me play it. I definitely encourage that. Um, <laughs> but it's so user-oriented that the way that I play could be totally different than the way you play, and um, it could be a totally different experience. One final comment I did want to read was from at Heavy Greens. It just says, bass guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree completely. Exactly. <laughs> Succinct, perfect. <laughs> Fantastic the comment. The bass guitar is a is a character in the game. It's yeah. its own personality. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean the music is by the guy that voices Agrius, so in a way it's an extension. Yeah. Yeah. Suze, listen, it was wonderful to talk to you and I really appreciate your time taking I really appreciate you taking the time to come on my show and talk about this wonderful game. Please before we formally end this episode, promote the hell of yourself. Pro- um. Promote the hell out of yourself, sorry. <laughs> I uh, stream, and that's all you need to know about me. Uh, I'm not using Twitter anymore uh, Mm -hmm. for probably just a couple more days, if we're being completely honest. But if you want to follow my Twitch, it is Suzel, S-U-Z-A-L. I am uh, loud, and I like to yell at men. So if that's something you're interested in watching, please tune in. Wonderful. Anything else you want to promote, or is that just about it? Um, I have a really cute dog. I just want to give her a shout out. That's Twix. Shout out to Twix. Shout out uh, to Twix. <laughs> that's Suze. Uh, Twitch. Uh, what is it? Twitch.tv slash Suzel. Yes, sir. S-U-Z-A-L. She likes to yell at men. Uh, watch her stream. Uh, she has a cute dog named Twix that likes to come on during recordings. We just saw her earlier. Wonderful dog. Worth watching a dog. Watch Suze. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Suzel. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Suze. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Select and Start. Once again, I'm your host, editor, promoter, Kiefer. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a positive review wherever you're listening to this, unless you're in the Twitch chat right now, in which case, go onto a streaming platform, look up Select and Start, and give the show a five-star review because positive reviews factor into the visibility of the show. Can't emphasize that enough. Engagement helps the show. Your feedback will help improve it. And if you want to get more engaged, give the show a follow on Twitter at SelectPodStart. And if you have any thoughts about Hades or any other games we've discussed, send a DM or leave a comment and I will gladly read it on the show. You can also support me on Patreon. If you pledge at least $1 a month, you will get early access to new episodes as well as extended episodes with exclusive content. Uh, That's on Patreon.com slash Corner. And you can also follow me on Twitter at DannyVegito and find links to the rest of my projects in the description of the episode. The art for the show was made by my best friend, Avery Ott. You can follow him on social media with the handle at Avery Robin Ott. That's A-V-R-Y Robin O-T-T. And you can check out the links in the description for his work as well as Suze's. All right. I think that's it. Farewell to all the earthly remains.
This is the horniest episode of Select and Start. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, it's the most bisexual game of all time. 